0: Hey everyone, before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to mention that I'm offering one-to-one emotional sobriety coaching sessions. You can book one-off sessions with me or get bundles of coaching that also include access to the Thrive Sober community. All coaching is to be booked by application as I only have so many places to offer and I really want to work with people who are deadly serious about getting and staying successfully sober. Head over to sassysobermum.com slash coaching to find out more information and submit your interest. Okay, let's dive into the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Uh, today, I'm joined by Noreen, who is from West Fleet, and she is sober nine months tomorrow at the time of this recording. Um, And she's also dining in from sunny Mykonos. So I've got a little bit of envy. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for joining me today, especially on your kind of little getaway and your retreat. So I'm really grateful.
1: Thank you so much, Terry, for having me here. So I've been very much looking forward to it. I actually committed to doing this when I was about 90 days and I thought I'm going to do this. And then Love there wasn't a spot until now. So I was hoping, I hope I'll still be sober by then. And, yeah. and here we are. Yeah, exactly. sober. Yeah, so it's yeah. good. So I'm Noreen and I am, I'm 60 and I have two children, 34 and 32. A retired husband. And um, yeah, so I've already, this is my kind, this, I, what do I like doing? I like going on holidays, I enjoy my yoga, and I'm very sociable, and all the things that um, probably lots of things that come with and associated with typically with drinking. So it was a major shift for me to think about how I was going to do all the things I love doing without that. So I guess to go back, um, this is my second rodeo, as we call it, on this Thrive community. I had... I'm um, done a kind of spontaneous sobriety when uh, 2008, sorry, 2014, and I, I think it came about for various reasons. Um, my blood pressure was very high. I was overweight. So look, I never thought of myself as an alcoholic per se, um, but I, I knew. I was always thinking about drinking and I didn't even bother doing a questionnaire online or anything like that to identify myself with a label, but there were things going on that were not good. So I had high anxiety. So like where I, if I was out of control, like on a plane or a train or any kind of traveling experience, which I love doing became very problematic So that was going on, overweight, high blood pressure. And then I thought, I'm going to need to lose some weight. So I just thought, you know what? I'm actually eating a lot of bloody calories in my drinking, or I'm drinking a lot of
2: calories. Mm,
1: mm. When you're drinking a bottle and a half of wine every day, it doesn't leave you a lot of food at 1,200 calories. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just try not doing that. And I got to a week and I was feeling okay about it. I kept myself a bit distracted, but I'd done no work around this.
0: This is your it first was, time. Is this right? Is my this first your, time. This is your first time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and I didn't really think about why I was doing what I was doing, but I just stopped for a week and then I did another week and another. And I got to three weeks. And I thought, Christ, you know, I might not drink again. And I was scared about that. Mm. So what? Okay, so where does that leave me? Like, I was really glad about it. But my my drinking, Noreen, side was really, I felt quite grief-stricken about it. Like, how am I going to sell this to all of my friends? How am I going to explain? Because if, if I'm going sober, that must mean I've got, a problem. So that was where I got to with it, but I carried on anyway. I just thought, do you know what? Sod you lot. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm losing weight. I'm just saying, I'm on a diet. Yeah, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just saying, I'm on a diet. So that helped me. Well, for like six years, six years and three months, never had a thought about it. I was really super lucky. I'm. I had the luck of the Irish. But I am able to do things that surprise me. And I don't I didn't seem to have to struggle. I didn't think I was struggling about not having alcohol at all. Yeah. I really didn't. That made me think even more. Oh, I haven't got a problem. Mm. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know that person. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. But then uh I took a drink one day just on holiday and I was always scared to have my first one. I mean, in, in this six-year time, I probably should mention, you know, my mum died, my dad died. There was a lot of things going on. And for me to go to my dad's funeral sober, an Irish wake with probably 150 people, everyone just got trashed. Well, they didn't all get trashed. But, you know, that would have been the day when I would have absolutely led the day. And yeah. I didn't need to. felt great. Life was good. And then I took one drink one day and, and then not, nothing for a month. Um, and then suddenly, a month later, I drank a bottle of wine in a whole night. And I was like, where the, where the hell's that come from? We left it alone again, had a little check-in, but still wasn't concerned really. Yeah. Um, but then it gathered momentum like it does good things gather momentum but so Mm. do bad things um so yeah oh people say oh you're drinking again I was like oh yeah but I'm not going to do it for a little while then I'm going to be okay again like you know it's fine Mm. didn't even people actually people didn't even notice that I started drinking again they didn't notice (laughs) they noticed when I stopped but they didn't even notice when I started
0: oh funny I just
1: thought oh okay well it's okay then um and then and then I, then I decided that, nah, I, so two years that went on for. And then I had my 60th birthday last summer, had the most amazing time. My husband organized lovely things for me. And yeah, I was just a bit of an arsehole, to be fair. I was acting, you know, not in my best place. I wasn't in my best space. I was looking for a drink all the time. I was drinking more than everyone else. And I really started to notice that other people weren't drinking like I was. And yet I'd had this six years of experience of not drinking. I just thought, what what am I doing? I don't know, it was annoying me. I was was hiding drinking again, you know, emptying a bottle of vodka, filling it up with water. The games I played, like, Mm. what? Like, I'm I'm an intelligent woman. (laughs) I don't know who I was trying to kid. Just kidding myself,
2: mm. I suppose.
1: And, you know, when you're not, when you realise that, you know it's time to get older yourself. And anyway, we had a big night out. With some of my girlfriends, we had six bottles of wine between us, between four of us. I'd already had probably the best part of half a bottle before I went out. And I knew that I had hit a bad place. And I just thought, you know what, not, I'm not... I'm falling in line with all this shit again, and I'm not the bloody doing it. And I, I said to them on the way back, I said, right, this is the last time you are going to see me drunk. And my friend said, oh, but you're so much more fun when you're drinking. It's yeah. really like I went, no, 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 no. You are not going to sabotage me. I'm doing my thing, and you will not see me drunk again. And I haven't drunk since then. Wow. But then I, then I, then, so I sort of started on the same old route, off I go, you know, doing it all on my own, because I'm a big girl. And then I started talking to a 32-year-old, um, who's, I've known her since she was five. She said, oh, no, I'm going sober. And I said, oh, have you? I said, oh, yeah, I've just started, actually. So, are you reading all the quit lit? And are you doing this? And I was like, no. She went, oh, there's all this stuff out there, babe. my, she's my hairdresser. She's such fun. She's so <laughs> lovely. She's going to come on your podcast. You know her. Anyhow. So um, I got going with her, but then I started realising why I went back and why I was like I was up until my first time I gave up drinking. Then I I realised there was a whole backstory of trauma and emotional dependency, which I had not, I did not know because I was always fine.
0: So how did you find um, that out then? Like what, what, what kind of discovery did you go through? And yeah, if you don't mind talking about that. No, not at
1: all. So I did, um, what's it called? The um, adverse childhood experience yes. thing. Yeah. I was like, shit, I've got quite a lot of points for that. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Ireland, uh, to give you a background, my, my father's Irish, my mum had a very dysfunctional childhood. She was a broken woman, I now see. And now see a lot of things. She was depressive. She was ill. She was always in the bed. I had an older sister who uh, was special needs. Um, and then I came along 14 months later. So I basically it for myself. Mm. And there were photographs of me in the, in the sofa with the bottle propped up with a pillow. Yeah. Because my mom was dealing with my older sister. Mm. You know, I was premature. My mum nearly died when she had me. Um, So I, you know, I I was a welcome addition to the family, but there was a lot of other shit going on. And Mm. there wasn't really time to nurture me. I understand that now as a grown-up, but I didn't... I now see what was happening. Mm. And then my little sister came along about four years later. And my dad adored me. Unfortunately, my mum... Was very jealous of that adoration mm. so the scene was set for a pretty rocky relationship with my mom yeah for all of the above and you know I didn't really realize what a hard time I was having
2: mm.
1: at the time I just accepted it and all I did was run around trying to make her love me and trying to make her she was highly aggressive broken alcoholic herself as it turns out um and she she um she blamed me for everything my dad got cancer it was my fault my dad had a when she had a heart attack it was my fault everything was my fault oh well it's because you did this and it's because you did that and you're selfish and the worst thing she ever said to me was your selfishness and your jealousy will be the ruination of you and you know to say that to a daughter
2: Mm. at at a young age
1: as well probably well by then I was much older actually but it was the culmination of all of my childhood she said it as it actually was she thought I was this jealous person who was ultimately selfish and all I was doing was trying to be a normal teenager you know anyway so my mum threw me out when I was 17 to cut a long story short because she, the whole family had a meeting and said, "No, she's got to go. But like, she has to go because she's the cause of the, all the problems in this house. Let's just chuck her out.
2: Oh, God. So
1: oh, I went. I went, okay, fine. Normally I'd cry. And my dad would be like, oh, you know, and he'd come to my comfort. And my sisters hated me even more for it because, you know, the whole thing was a mess, really. But it was my mum's influence on the other two that caused the problem, really. Mm. So I was always on the back. Anyway, so I'd go off and of course, you know. As she said, you always fall in shit and come out smelling like roses, you. And I did. Mm. Bloody right, I did. So I just got on with it. And I got a job, started working at the bank, Lloyds Bank, had a great time. But I moved into working with much older people. And the drinking culture started there, really. Yeah. Um, Big drink, like lots of drinking. Lots of older guys buying me drinks. When I was young, going to the pub every day. Or it would be Friday, but then I started going on a Thursday, and then I started going on a Wednesday, and then I was going on a Monday. And then I was good friends with my with, with one of the other girls who started with me, and she was living in Diggs. We are both living in Diggs. And we were like, right, we're definitely going straight home tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going home. Yeah, we're going home. Are you going to get on that bus? Yeah, I'm getting on the bus. I said, yeah, I'm walking home. See you later. See you tomorrow. Then we'd both end up in the pub. And we had T-shirts. Late afternoon drinks. Club. I mean, we made a thing out of coal. We were in there at 5.30 every night until we ran out of money or other people stopped buying us drinks. You know, I did a few things that I probably shouldn't have done. Um, lived a bit of a uni life, I suppose. Had an abusive boyfriend, you know. Anyway, my mum found out that he was hitting me and gave me a fat lip or two. She said, you're coming home. So I went back home. I had no money. Massively in debt. I think I owed a year's salary. I mean, it was ridiculous. How I got okay. it borrowed, I don't know. So debt. Not great. Then I met my husband. And, you know, he's a very organized guy. Um, you know, uh, he'd been married before, but we got together and um we just yeah, you know, I guess we just fell into getting married. You know, I was 20. Three by then 24, 24, so young, so young, um, but yeah, we got married, and had a couple of kids, I probably didn't need to do that then, but we did anyway, because that's what he wanted to do, so I went along with that, la la, la 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 but I was drinking, 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 and not drinking through my pregnancy was a bloody nightmare, I hated being pregnant, I'm not an earth mother, and I can't really apologize for it, it's just, I just found the whole thing a bit, Lovely now, but not then. I was too young young. I should have waited. But again, we had kids because that's what no else wanted me to do. Absolutely. So you go and with all that. And then um unfortunately, um when the children were very young, about a year and or a year and two and a half, um, I found out he was having an affair. So, like you do, you throw them out, because that's what we do, got a bottle of spot, drank that, and basically I think that's when I've got an emotional dependence on alcohol. It switched from being fun, habitual, too much, but then it went to emotional. I think that's what I've figured out in this round of recovery. I've worked out what happened, and I think that's what happened then. So, you know, ten years apart, we had had a fantastic divorce. <laughs> uh, like, or rather, should I say? It went on and on and anyway, it was fun. I was well looked after. He was a very good, he was a very good part-time dad and he was a very good part-time ex-husband actually. Um, so it was good. We had a good relationship and I had a new partner and I moved in with him and that he was great. He, but he put me on a bloody pedestal. Well, can't handle that. That's just a bloody nightmare for me. Like I couldn't handle it.
0: Well, you're just, not, just, you're just not used to it, though, as no. well. it like, must have felt so alien after yes. being criticised relentlessly as a kid. Yeah.
1: And actually, my 10 years with him was probably where I did a lot of maturing. Um, I behaved better. He was a bit older than me. I be- behaved better. I dressed better. He looked after me better. We did nicer things together. It was a very grown-up relationship. But... I was wavering on this pedestal all the time. I drank a lot still. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I was always the last to come home. I'm booking a taxi. Cancel it. I'm not going home yet. Cancel it. <laughs> not having it. Not going home. <laughs> Book another one. And he spoilt me rotten. He absolutely spoiled me rotten. Um, but he was great with my kids. And I needed a good child. Mind. I needed a good carer for me at that time. Because I was too vulnerable, I guess. And, a, and a, someone I could trust for my kids, I guess. Mm. But all the while, you know, I'm seeing my husband and he's coming every day, uh, he's coming every weekend. And I hadn't got over him. I hadn't, I really just hadn't got past him. And I knew I was never going to marry this man. I knew I was going to, I told him, I'm never going to marry you and I'm not having any of your children. And this is as good as it gets. It's like, yeah, fine. So he's got issues too, I now know. Like, he should never have swallowed that he should have been a lot more actually this isn't good enough for me but no, he did so there we are um so then we're talking with my i'm talking with my hus- ex-husband and he wants to come back so i thought like, oh okay so we had a couple of meetups and a few negotiations and actually i was really strong i said actually do you know what you're not doing enough for this uh, I think I don't see the commitment that I need. And you're a big gamble for me and the children. So I'm not doing it. We're not going to get back together together. So he's dropped off. I carried on with my life thinking, oh, well, it'll be all right now then. You know, I've done it. I've told him no again. Definitely over it this time. Well, I was like, fuck. No, of course I wasn't. I wasn't. So another three years go by. And I said, if you really are, I'm going to be committed to me and the children and you need to make a move. I'm not moving the children out of school, so you need to make the move. So he did. So then I was left with a decision to make. And then 9-11 happened, actually, um, in 2001. And I was like, Christ, you know, I, I, in my head, we're, we're all doomed. I need, to, I need to really think about what I want. So I went had another chat with... My husband and I said, okay, let's, I think we need to make a go of it because I really need to, we need to do this. 100%. So it'd be running up to that and then 9-11 happened. Then it was the go button. So I'm fairly impulsive. So that day I literally packed up our kids and me and all the animals and I moved in with him. I left. It was tragic in a way. It was heartbreaking for a lot of people around me and I had so much guilt about it. And I just, said, I just said to my husband, right, just make sure there's two bottles of wine in the fridge and we'll get through anything. We'll be fine. And he did. And I, then I just continued to drink.
0: Yeah.
1: So, uh, but very happy. I was happily, happily drunk, I, I thought. Um, so that's kind of how, that's kind of how we went, really. So then, as I say, we just carried on for the next, that was 20 years ago. Um, and we've had a good time, but we... I still think my when I got sober, it made me think about my relationship a lot more. Like, yeah, I challenge a lot more now. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as happy as I was when I was drunk. Which sounds maybe like things aren't quite as good as they could be. So, I'm doing a lot of my own self care now. Really. Um, you know he's not emotionally um intelligent and and I'm getting intelligent about it all, so it makes it has made me um very much question all of the different spots in my life where things weren't quite as I thought they were mm. and it's a it's a deep dive like it's hard, but it's worth it, you know. It really is. So, so I think I think getting sober has made me, made me the happiest I've ever been, actually. He asked me, they said, Oh, you know, you're not, but you're not an alcoholic. And I, said, yeah, by night, you may not see that about me, but I, in my head, I'm, when I'm drinking, I'm always thinking about drinking, but you don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I said, You don't do that. A lot of people don't do that, but I do. Mm. So it isn't, it's not right for me. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. Does he, yeah miss so you? Does he miss you drinking? Does he miss the drinker, Noreen? Um,
1: he likes, you know, there's nothing. We have some lovely holidays and things. And I think, you know, that one when you come up from the pool and you sit on the balcony and I'll get a Diet Coke out the fridge and he pours a the bit. Then it's things like that. Because, you know, he doesn't say it to me, but, well, you know, he has. He has, I said to him, do you miss me drinking? He says, yeah, sometimes, like, when we're sharing something really nice. He, he still associates it with the drinking, because I don't. So, mm. but, you know, um, he doesn't miss the woman who will never get off the dance floor. He doesn't miss the woman that will not get in the cab. He doesn't miss the woman who, even though she can't get in the door, still goes to the fridge, pours a glass of wine, and takes it to bed with her. He doesn't miss that one. Mm because that was, you know, pretty disgusting when I think of it now. Um, and it does, you know, but he does, but what he, what he doesn't like about the sobernor is it is I'm feisty as I come and I challenge and I, and I, um, I'm more mindful of everything that I do and I have such purpose. And yeah, I think he likes me, ne- he likes me needing him. He likes me to, uh, but yeah, I, I, I want him, but I don't need him, yeah. and that's a very different situation for him to be in, and that's the threat. Yeah. I guess he finds that threatening, but you know, it's too bad. He, he can go and do his own therapy for that
0: like doing it <laughs> I love how frank you are Noreen you just say, <laughs> you just say it as it is you know yeah. like yeah it's 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 very refreshing um talk to me about you obviously did so the two questions I've got you you, you got remarried then did you because yeah. yes, you got remarried yeah, yeah. yeah. you got remarried yeah. and then um you did your six years of your first sober stint and you're now nine months how does the nine months that you've got today compare to the six years? What are the differences?
1: So I am more aware of my sobriety. It's an awareness that I have, not a preoccupation. Um, I've turned into, I guess a bit of a I've turned it into an education. yeah. Whereas before it was just more of a, I say it didn't come easy. It didn't come difficult. It wasn't hard for me to be sober the first time. So I wasn't really addressing everything I was doing. But then that meant that my relapse was always going to happen at some point because yeah. I had not done the work.
0: Because you were kind of winging it in in a
1: way. I was absolutely winging it. Yeah, like I was losing weight, looking great, getting loads yeah. of compliments. That kept me going. Like. All of the positive stuff I was getting wasn't from myself. It was from yeah. everybody else. Yeah. But it wasn't from within. Yeah. It was from my environment. And, I, you know, I liked being able to wear a size 10. And I liked looking good. And I liked getting fit. Um, you know, I'd never been in the gym. I didn't do any of that stuff. Mm. Um, I got into weight training. And, yeah, I had a really lovely... Pe- so the money that I didn't spend... But I think this is the one thing that kept me sober, actually, I rewarded myself, all the drinking, with a personal trainer, which cost me 40 quid a week, which is a lot of money. Mm. But I was easily spending that on drinking. So I thought, you know what, I'm having it. I'm working, yeah. I'm having it. Yeah. There's a tiny bit of me, though, who was bigger, the, men- the mentalist that I can be. I was like cashing money out in weight shows, like 10 quid here, 10 quid there, secretly having personal training sessions. <laughs> I felt bad about it. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. I found worth 40 quid a week. You know, my husband had a free taxi service every weekend. I mean, I was crazy to think I didn't deserve it. But then I got my head around it and I just, then I just told him. said, right, this is what's happening. I'm having a personal trainer every week. And I'm not asking for permission. That's what's happening. Yeah. So that was that. But I think my actually the other thing that I think helped me with my sobriety the first time was that my relationship with my mum, which was took up a massive, massive headspace. It was a massive headspace because she didn't speak to me for years on end. Mm. Like years would go by and then we'd be talking. And I, you know, like it was crazy. She always had a relationship with my children. I always kept that wide open for her because I'm generous like that. Um, And and I mean, that's a serious comment. I'm not, it's not a throwaway comment. I, Mm. I, you know, I love my mum, but she just didn't have it for me. Mm. I felt like. So... Uh, so many sleepless nights and crying and so upset about our relationship I couldn't be like everyone else Mm -hmm. like and even like having what I would call regular sisters that were supportive I didn't I had two attackers you know my younger sister is a recovering alcoholic um she's in a you know she is in a civil partnership with her beautiful wife and my sister's special needs and i you know, like in my, I remember when I was young, I thought, I don't know, if like, did they bring home the right baby? Like, am I really supposed to be here? I, I didn't have a safe and secure childhood. It was not. I now know that.
2: Yeah.
1: And this carried all the way through, but I was still searching for her all the time, like wanting this thing. Mm. And um, she wanted a grandson more than anything. She had three daughters. She'd lost two babies. She had a stillborn boy and um yeah, sad. And then all she wanted me to, was to have a grandson, and then I didn't do that. So that was wrong.
2: Mm.
1: You know, oh well, maybe next time. It's just cruel.
0: Yeah.
1: Um anyway. One day a friend said to me, Noreen, I think you under loads of therapy. Like I was in therapy all the time, It was always about my mother. Every mm. single time, I always came back to my mother.
2: Yeah.
1: And couldn't help it like it was always there and then one day a friend of mine a, a therapist said to me do you see your aunties um think of an auntie that you never see so I said oh yeah I've got one yeah I've got loads of. so we're a massive family my mom was one of eight and my dad was one of seven so I said yeah I've got loads of aunties that I don't see so she said, you need to think about your mum as an auntie like it's a relative but you don't worry about them all the time let them let your mom do her thing, like, and you do yours. And you just need to kind of let it go and draw a bit of a line in the sand. And you know what I did? I really did. I drew a line and I thought, right, I'm just going to switch my thinking up. And then, and then coincidentally, I found sobriety. Now, that's not a bloody coincidence. I know that now. Mm. But that all came at the same time as, you know, anxiety and this business. So I, I guess that's the power of the mind, right? This is mm-hmm. such an internal thing. Um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of learning, but actually the person that she wanted uh, literally on her deathbed in the hospice was me.
2: How oh, weird. Like, so
1: she, weird. She had me mm-hmm. in, my dad asked me to come, I said, I'm not going, I'm not going for her, I will come for you. Because she's not good for me. But I will come for you, Dad. I'll come and support you. I will support my sisters. But I, that woman is toxic. I'm sorry, but she did just come. You just have to, I didn't recognize her. I hadn't seen her for three years, I think. Mm. And she was in a hospital, like, a, you know, a bay, in a ward. I, didn't, I walked past her twice, didn't even recognize her. She'd aged so much. And she'd had a skin cancer, her nose was different and she, I didn't recognise her. And I sat there, not present at all, but did as I was told, I was there, as I was asked. And but I was not there, I, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, things happened, then we got to find out that she wasn't just in hospital, but she was going to die probably in the next three weeks. She had a liver failure. And so I was like, okay, so that's when Noreen comes into rescue mode. Let's fix everything. Come on then, you've got to support everybody. You, can, you just need to be here. So there I am at the hospice. And I do everything for her. I didn't leave her bedside for three weeks. I slept oh there, gosh. fed her, fed her her last meal, gave her her last cup of tea. Oh
2: everything. my God. She
1: said, she said to me, Noreen. I need to say something.
2: She said, um, I need to apologise to you. She said, um, I was the devil.
1: I was the fucking devil with you, Noreen. You never deserved it. So, I so said, where is we oh My good, I accept your apology. It's like, we're here now. Let's just do it. We're just here now, right? So, yeah. God, it was uh, a big moment of um, just uh, just letting stuff go and then just being there and then getting such reward. Yeah. It such a reward for me. Um,
0: Did you feel a shift inside at that point or were you aware of a sort of letting go?
1: absolutely letting go it was just like yeah I just like yeah this is fine this is what I wasn't expecting it at all um but I'm forever thankful for that yeah. and um, I told my sisters and they said well she's been a shit to us but we haven't had an
2: apology <laughs> oh that is so interesting. Uh, well,
1: you know so actually in, that, in her own way, she wasn't nice to a lot of people. But, you know, but she has some great qualities too. It wasn't all bad. But we, you know, her mantra, her mantra was unpredictability, keep them all on their toes. That was our childhood, which, of course, is the absolute, absolute opposite of what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It was a bit tough, to be honest. Uh, but that was her childhood. I understand why she was her. And I was going to be the, I was going to do everything in my power not to be, that person as a mother I, obviously no one gets it perfect i could have been a lot more sober and present to my kids you know because i you know like other people have reported on your podcast terry you know i could, they could have gone to bed a bit later i could have read an extra story i could have done a bit more at the weekend i didn't because i was busy doing drinking um mm-hmm. but you know that's what well, that was the culture you know you know um, if you think like i'm sixty, so you know wine mummies hadn't really been invented mm. they weren't really around, but i couldn't go out I was a single month, so I drank at home so that's mm. that's how it was um mm. it was my friend, and um I'm glad it's not now
0: yeah exactly exactly you're here now it's um yeah. It's such a moving story um for me, particularly as well, just because, like you, I have a mother wound in my life. Yeah, like my yeah. mum was. Yeah, and yeah. Th- there's some similarities there. And I didn't yeah. have an adult relationship with my mum because Same. she was toxic. And 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 I, and in some ways, that's been a very complicated decision for me because a lot of people don't understand that at face value. It's like, yeah, but it's your mum, you know what? <laughs> But they just don't understand that, you know, I, I look back now and feel really proud that I implemented that boundary, even yeah. though there was turmoil for me. I, I really related when you were saying that, you know, you, you, you do feel grief in that situation because you realise yeah. you're not going to have that relationship that like, maybe your friends had with their mum. And like for me, I knew I was going to get married or have kids and my mum wouldn't be there. And a lot of the time I knew this when she was still alive. And that, you know, we just didn't have this relationship and that was quite difficult. But the bit that really got me, I think, in your story was having the opportunity to get those last moments with her. And it's quite strange because my mum died of breast cancer. She was also a big drinker, probably alcoholic, don't know, wasn't diagnosed. I think she had other mental health issues as well, undiagnosed. Um, And she also had her very fractured childhood, which I also have learned that's history that just repeats itself, right? um but she um she basically went into a hospice and then within three days she died I found out after she died and I often think about god you know in that um did she ever think about me yeah she would have sorry I feel quite emotional about it
1: I know I know she would have thought of you though she would have thought. It yeah, so it's,
0: it's kind of like hearing, um, hearing that you had that. It just, it, I'm so happy to hear that you had that opportunity. And I think it, you know, it does ring up a sadness in me that I didn't get that oh, opportunity. Boy. You know, which is that. fine. Like it, it, you know, this is just the way life is, isn't it? These are just these are the cards you're dealt, and I'm okay with. To be honest, I have, I have processed a lot of it, but I think it's just, you know, hearing your story. And and I I actually do deep down think that she was I like to think that she was. Hundred yes. percent. Like you know, it's, it's hard. Hundred percent. It? It's like it's it's nice to hear a story where somebody gets that at the end. I think that's really lovely, and I share that with you because I just think. I didn't get that, but I like to think that she would do that. But I think I just relate, you know, the whole situation and even how much work you and I have both probably done and there is more to come. It's just still painful to have had that life, isn't it? Where you don't fit in, you're being blamed, there's jealousy there. My mum was definitely jealous of the relationship that my dad had you know yeah. he adored me and, I know and I wasn't I the boy that she wanted so there's just there's so many like oh, similarities well, yeah. that yeah. in our story but yeah it yeah. just really made me feel emotional then but yeah have a deep breath and we let it out <laughs> have a deep breath <laughs> we, have a sit, we sit with it and we let it go but we um, sit with it absolutely yeah so in your um yeah. What, what would you say? So, so it sounds like you basically, uh, you just attacked it differently this time. You did yeah. that deeper inner work. You read the books. Obviously, you, you joined us in Thrive. You, you know, it's wonderful yeah. having you in there and having you online on the meetings and stuff, sharing, sharing your stories. And it's, it's lovely. Um, what's been the hardest bit for you, do you think, this time round?
1: I, I think it was the acknowledgement of uh, okay, yeah, I'm fine. It was the it was the acknowledgement that there was a problem. Yeah, and being really honest about it with myself and some chosen people around me. And one actually, when I first came on your Zoom call, I was like, "Nah, these are not my people." But they do that. That's <laughs> not great. No, this is all wrong. No, no, I made a mistake. It's this is a terrible mistake. <laughs> I did. I thought, no, I can't do this. This isn't no. But then I started reading all the stuff on your on the Thrive thing. And I think that made me realise that, yeah, I'm in the right place there. This is where I need to be. And I think accepting that <laughs> is the first thing. And we know that, you know, we know that, that acceptance is the first part of your journey really get into grips with not being happy where you are realise that you need to do some stuff to sort it out and then get on with it
2: mm.
1: but then having the humility to not do it by myself
2: yeah,
1: and realising that I need help mm. and not being that independent I don't know I was just too independent or like I would never ask for help with the kids I'd never ask for help with anything so mm-hmm. why would are oh, help with something that is so deeply personal and unshared because no one knew what I was thinking about drinking I all of my friends were drinking the same as me a lot, a lot. My, my best friends were drinkers like me and we hang out together and we just you know when everyone was going oh I think might the a problem here they'd be like no we're all right oh, not mm. that bad you know so I think so many years of just being party girl Nori, um, mm. and then realizing actually, yeah, but you know, you're old enough now. Most people stop doing this when they're 27, you are 60. Get a bloody grip. How many old drunk people do you see? Not many. So, at some point, somebody catches on to themselves and grows up. So, I think I've grown up, yeah, Maybe that's what I did. Mm got hold of it and being really brutally honest and telling my I'm not here on this yoga retreat with I've come here on my own with eight other people and you know it's the first time I've not worn makeup in front of any other human being apart from my husband because I'm just being real about it all and I think that's the hard bit just do real get real with yourself yeah that's the difference. I wasn't being real with myself before because I was saying, oh, it's because I want to lose weight. Oh, it's because I want to do this. And oh, it's because of my blood pressure. No, it wasn't. It's was because you were drinking too much. Yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't align myself to that. Like this, um, there's something in me, snob I don't know, snobbery, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. wouldn't allow align, allow me to align myself to that label. So getting real Really acknowledging it this time. I didn't have to last time for some reason. And I probably could have stopped with that if my willpower hadn't run out.
2: Mm. But
1: it did. So I'm glad it did. I'm glad I had a relapse in a way because it's taught me so much more than I would have had if I hadn't had the relapse.
2: Yeah.
1: I've learned from it. It's okay, but do something with it. That's And that's the magic bit. That's the magic if you have a, you know, if you're in a place at the moment where you think you're having a, re- you're have a relapse, then look, do your very best not to, because it's much easier. Because it's harder second time. It's much harder to, um, because of the shame of it, the shame of having to do it again. You mm. already did it. It is so illogical, irrational. It's all of those things. Like, what was I thinking? Literally. What was I thinking? Yeah. But now, of course, I know, I know about all of the pathways in my brain that just led me to that, those old habits, and my willpower ran out, and then I just had a day, and the thoughts took over.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can still see me replaying that moment when I took that drink. Uh, you know, But as to say, I'm not going to let myself regret it. No. Because I le- I've learned so much by being in this group, doing the work
0: Mm.
1: and getting real yeah
0: yeah Yeah, definitely so much has come from it you know it's like I always think the last night I drank I'm just like thank god that really (laughs) horrible night happened because I might not be here and here is so brilliant (laughs) you know like in comparison to where I would be if I was still guzzling the wine every week definitely um So what's, like, what's been, you know, If you, it's really difficult, but what's been the best bit about sobriety this time around for you? Um,
1: oh, so much, isn't there? I know. <laughs> it's like, there is start? so much. I think it is about just really seeing things in pure, full 5D technicolour, really seeing world as it is and um being just being really self-aware like that and I know people say but it really is about knowing that I can totally 100% trust myself Mm. That every decision I make is from clear thinking
2: yeah It's
1: it's a proper decision and I I learn more now I'm you know in my last period of sobriety I did a diploma and I did this. I mean, there's no way I've been able to do that when I'm drinking. I was off limits at 5.30. But mm-hmm. I did a whole diploma in my last, about sobriety. I, I did a lot. but This was different this time. This this time, I'm not learning for somebody else because that was, you know, a diploma for work. This is about self-work. This is about working on me. Yeah. That's the best bit about it. At my age, I'm, and I'm so... Um, it's so delightful to see so many younger people on your Thrive group, Terry, have already found you.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, but I just find that, like there's hope and that's, that's the best bit about it. Like younger people are getting the message somehow and I'm, mm. I can't say that I regret not doing it before because there's no point in regretting that. I can't do anything mm. about it. It's pointless, wasting yeah. my energy. So, but yeah. Um, it's, that's the, it's nice seeing that. And they you know, these young people are inspirational, seriously. Yeah. Just wish I got my shit together sooner in a way. Because <laughs> I, you know, I would have had a lot more money probably. <laughs> and I, I would have, I need to work out my friendship groups. I need to work out the people that are in my life that maybe aren't, uh, maybe aren't give, what's the word, adding value. Yeah. Are um, they serving me well? That's the phrase I'm looking for.
0: Yeah. And I'm
1: here on this yoga retreat. And I thought, oh, they're all gonna be bloody tree huggers. It's gonna be real. <laughs> I was oh, like, I can't imagine. I still can't believe I'm on the yoga tree. There's no alcohol here. And and like the other people who are, with me, who are not alcoholics, they're not bothered. I would have been pulling my bloody hair out. Yes.
0: When I was drinking. Eye opening is it? Yeah 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 and in the background honestly it just looks so beautiful like the sea is sparkling and the sky is really blue stunning stunning what a great thing to do for yourself oh it looks amazing you're gonna to have to let me know where when you come back give me the links of where you've been and
1: <laughs> <just> <laughs> I want to go there it is oh. but I'm bloody worth it and I'm having it. I don't care. I'm not apologising. I'm not asking for permission. I'm just doing what I need to do.
0: This is your time. This is is my
1: time. Yeah, Yeah, I love
0: that. I love that. What a lovely way to get towards the wrapping up of this brilliant, brilliant and moving, powerful chat. Um, what's What's your top three tips, Noreen? What would you advise people who are getting sober or you know want to stay sober what's yeah what would you say to them with
1: the science it was getting to know understanding how it all works like how big so big alcohol works mm. and um getting a bit angry with that and then going, okay right let's get the tools like you talked about toolkit from the very beginning and get a toolkit and in that could be whatever you want it to be I've just been reading this morning I'm reading um uh, quit like a woman mm-hmm. um which is by holly Whitaker. very good yeah so yeah do so i think yeah that's the first thing i think get armed with as much information as the type that you want but mm-hmm. make it work for you if you're not enjoying it don't worry about it. find something else move on to the next thing but definitely get the reading done podcasts i think i agree for some time it's a bit overwhelming if i do too much in the day early on it's just a bit, it got me a bit, I got just a bit too much. So I was like, mm. just put some bloody pop music on, have a day off. Like, it's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. And that's fine too. That is just fine. Just recognise that. Recognise yeah. it, go, okay, today's too much. Yeah. Really, I feel like i pick myself up because so I'm always aligning myself to everybody and then reminding myself. But, and so that was hard some days early yes. on. Um, so have a break, but do the, do the work. Yeah. Do the work. Do the reading, listen to the podcast, join the group if you can. Um, AA wasn't for me, but this is perfect. Yeah. As I know. <laughs> be brave. You have to be a bit brave. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, think the second thing um, Second thing is I think this yoga malarkey is bloody good, actually. Mm. You know, if you can, find the time. To because it connects so much together, it's meditation and it's breathing. I did all these things anyway, but yoga brings all of those things together for me. Yeah, um, and I, there is something so you know the yogis were getting it back right thousands of years ago, yeah. and now we're applying all the science to what the yogis knew 30, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah, yeah. We've just got the machinery to work out what parts of the brain are working and how you know all about the parasympathetic brain, and this, this, and this. Things I thought I'd never say, but yoga seems, I just seem to found every book goes, do yoga. I go, okay, all right. Okay, I'm going to do the body yoga. And here we are. Now I get it. It's just so wonderful.
2: Mm, yeah. So
1: that's been a real, it gives me goosebumps. I just love it. Oh. And then, uh, what's the third thing? I think it's about just being honest about it. You know, I feel like I'm a person of of integrity. I'm the girl you can rely on. I'm always going to turn up. I'm never going to let you down. I do all these things. Everybody else. But it's time, it's time to be honest with who you are and take care of you. Mm. And, you know, I think... um, Julia, your Julia Shepherd, who's from Tasmania, she talks about, you know, a few no's don't, don't go far wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've just learned to put myself
0: first. Yeah, I love that. It's like you stand in your power and it's like, actually, I quite like it here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying, I'm staying oh. in my power. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I feel like I really... Used to struggle massively saying no to people and things. Now I struggle to say yes. I'm like, no, no, sorry, no, too busy. So you know, I just I think there's a lot when you when you start to get into that and you start to look through a lens of well, actually, how can I put myself first? Which I do think a lot of people um are uncomfortable with that or they're not well practiced so I think when people start to do it it does snowball a bit and you just yeah. and before you know it you're in Mykonos <laughs> yeah. doing a yoga retreat loving life he Right? <laughs> yeah I am yeah <laughs> not apologizing sorry, no, not no, sorry. Need. <laughs> no need to yeah exactly yeah um, so there we are
1: that's me yeah
0: so is it, yeah, how can we find you if people wanted just to connect with you and send a message or follow your journey? I, mean, or...
1: I hadn't even thought of that because I don't, you know, I'm an old bird, so I don't do a lot of social media stuff. Um, I guess it's not really relevant, really. Um, but I'm Golding Noreen on yeah. Instagram. Um, I, don't, I, that's my, I use that to get all my sober stuff, all my yeah. sober bits that I like to get every day. Yeah, um, so I do that. Um, yeah, that'll do. I think. Yeah, perfect. Um,
0: that's, that's. But you know,
1: yeah, yeah, that's
0: Noreen, perfect. Gold, uh,
1: Golden Noreen, that's it. You'll find
0: me. at Golden yeah. Noreen. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. I'll I'll tag you anyway when we put the episode okay. live, so people can find you that way. And I'm sure you'll have people reaching out to you saying that they love the story and that they love you oh. and yeah no it's really oh. nice lots, lots of mo- most people get a lot of support for coming on the podcast it's a kind of little reward for doing it I think oh. getting people saying that you know they're, they're grateful to listen to the episode Noreen it's been such a pleasure it's been so nice to talk with you and- a bit more one-to-one because obviously I see you on the group and in the zooms but to have this bit more you know kind of yeah more special time has been lovely been great hearing your story and you know getting emotional on the podcast it's a first for me in 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 you know lovely. over 40 episodes so <laughs> oh listen you're doing a
1: job Terry and um seriously um it's it's worth every effort that you make every sacrifice that you make is is I know that's appreciated by at least me and I know everyone else does too and It's a big part of us. When we're helping each other, we're helping ourselves. And that's what this group is all about. Yeah. And you make that happen. So thank you.
0: Oh, that's so nice. Don't you make me cry again.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: Oh, no, thank you so much. And to everybody for your continued support um, and lovely messages, I thank you as well. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.